Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Oh, it's good to see everybody here. I'm, I want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. I've been back in the back with the kids since May, okay? And we have been doing some awesome stuff back. I am so thankful we got some people that are excited about our kids' ministry. And it's taken us a year to get to the point where we are now. Right now, they're doing a series called Christmas. What's it all about? And so I thought, well, while they're doing that, we ought to do that here too. Before we get into anything, I was wanting to say thank you to Sue and Nathan and Chuck and Chris and whoever else was involved in decorating our stage this year. I really appreciate it. Yes. Amen. It was just, it's really cool. And uh, uh, again, we got so many talented people here at Greater Alton and uh, God wants to use those gifts and talents. And so it's like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be a little rusty today, be praying for me. It's, uh, it's not that I, I haven't stopped talking. I just talk all the time. Um, but um, it's been a while since I've been out here in the auditorium with all of you. Um, there's a couple of things before I get into this lesson also I want to mention, and that is that we are practicing. The kids are practicing right now, and they're, they're so... Listen, when we told them they were going to sing some songs and do some stuff for a Christmas program this year, they cheered. They were so excited. Of course, the adults weren't as excited in the room. They were like, ugh. But uh, they're practicing right now, and they'll be practicing a lot the next couple of weeks uh, So to put on this uh, this service with us um, on the 19th of December. And then I want to remind you about something we're going to be doing on the 26th, the day after Christmas. We're going to be meeting that's on a Sunday at 10 o'clock, but we're going to have a brunch together. We're going to have a meal together. Just really enjoy being together, eating together, have the Lord's Supper. There might be a few things we're going to, we'll be singing and stuff, but if it's something you'd like to bring your family to, it'll be nice and safe. Nobody's going to jam anything down their throat. And uh, it'll be a great time to sit back after Christmas and just enjoy being together as as God's God's family. Uh, One of my favorite Favorite um, cartoons is Charlie Brown Christmas during Charlie Brown Christmas, okay, or during Christmas. And one of the things that I really like about it is when Charlie Brown is trying to search for the significance of what's the purpose of Christmas. And remember, he says that line, can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? And then Linus comes in and it's a child that explains to another child, this is what Christmas is about. Now, I know that's a cartoon and that's the fantasy world. How do I know that? Well, a few weeks ago, I was in Long John Silver's. We took the family and a bunch of bunch of people over to Long John Silver's, and we're having lunch together there. And at the table, around my table, I had Carmody and Meyer and one of their friends they brought to church named Bennett. What a pistol. And so we're sitting around, and it's getting a little crazy. You know, after they get through eating, then it's getting rambunctious. What's the bell for? I want to ring the bell. It's getting kind of nutty at Long John Silver's. And so I go, hey, let's play a game. Well, what, is, what game? What are we going to play, Grandpa? Okay, here's how the game goes. I'm going to say a word, and then you're going to say the first thing that pops in your head. Okay, you ready? I said, yeah. And I said, food. And Bennett goes, pizza. And, some, and one of them said, uh, well, well, spaghetti. And they, they were, uh, all these mashed potatoes. I said, that's great. Okay. Animals. Giraffe, hippos, and they were naming all these different animals. And I said, Christmas. And they went, Frosty, Rudolph, and then the Grinch, Santa, presents. 
Now I know it's not scientific what I did there. But I noticed someone was missing at that table. Jesus wasn't even mentioned at all. Now you might say, well, that's how kids are. You know, kids, they're a product of their environment. And yeah, kids are this way. And I, sure. But I got to tell you, I, I think sometimes if we were to be honest, a lot of adults, the first thing that pops in their head when they hear the word Christmas isn't Jesus. It might be shopping, deals, Black Friday. Or it might be, I just got a Christmas bonus and man, I can't wait to spend it. Or I'm getting with family, you know, and Christmas is about family. And I'm getting, man, my family's coming in. My mother happens to be here today. And this wasn't planned that I was going to preach while she was here. This just happened. Do, 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 do. Okay. But you know, family and, and, and of the food, uh, and we maybe cards and, or we watch, or someone might say, Oh, I like white Christmas or, or it's a wonderful life. My favorite or, or my other favorite Christmas music, uh, uh, movie, Die Hard, you know, things like that. And, or maybe you're maybe one of those people. And I know there's a few here and I won't look at you. There's a few of us in here that. It's just a big old commercial gimmick to try to get us to get our money out of our pockets. And I just wish Christmas would be over with. And I know that some of us here, quite a few of us here, Christmas is not a joyful time. It's a time that we, it's spoiled by loss. We've lost somebody. COVID. Cancer. Or someone can't make it home for Christmas. And Jesus is the furthest thing from our mind. Am I right? We just, uh, he kind of gets lost in everything. Right now in our, the stage back there with the kids, we have Santa's sleigh, Snoopy's doghouse. Michael built this beautiful doghouse. Snoopy's doghouse. We got Christmas trees. We have a snowman. And in the middle, it's just nothing there. And we're going to see if the kids notice who's missing. Because what is Christmas really about? You see, I love, by the way, look, I'm, I love Christmas lights. I've put up so many lights this year. Grandkids will do this to you. I've, it looks like Las Vegas at my house. I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas movies. If you've been around me, I'll quote them right and left. I've done a series with Christmas movies before. There's a Christmas series I don't know if I'd want to do. Um, the title of it's called Oh Fudge. And I'm not sure where you go with that, okay? I have no idea. What is and it's got it's got the you know the Christmas story kid with his eye shot out, you know, the, one of his lenses. And maybe it's I I'm not sure what it's about yet, but I picked that up about two years ago thinking, hmm, I wonder what that would be like. I love the movies, I love the music. All the music. And I, Santa, you bet Rudolph and the Island of Misfits. Why, why not like that? We all like that stuff. And why is it all so good? Why is it that the music and the sleigh bells and the lights going up? I, I noticed that people had turned on their lights earlier this year than last year. We tried to find an inflatable snowman for the back and there's nobody's got them. We're wanting, why is Christmas, we need that, what is it, how's that song go? We need a little Christmas right this very minute. I think we need a lot of Christmas right now. And why is it? Because it's, why is it so good? So positive? 
It's the most positive holiday of the year. Halloween doesn't have a chance against this holiday. It'll always be second. Well, the reason I believe Christmas is so incredible and so good and all that other stuff that we that we have included in Christmas, it's all so good because Jesus is so good. He's at the middle of this thing. He is a, he is the bedrock of what Christmas is all about. He defines what Christmas is all about. And it's so important as Christians that we that we remember this. We don't throw the we don't throw the Christmas tree out the back or or we we don't we we don't turn off our lights or we don't watch oh we're not watching Santa or Rudolph. No, no. The reason all that's good is because of something that really happened because of Jesus Christ. I mean, look at this here passage in Luke 2. Very familiar passage. An angel appears to some shepherds. And he says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Is Christmas good? It's the best news, isn't it? Good news. That will do what? Cause great joy for all the people. What, there's hardly, I, can, I think I can count on one hand holidays that are, that are celebrated all month long. You know, we, we get kind of critical sometimes, don't we say, well, it seems like Lowe's has got their Christmas stuff out during Halloween. It just seems to be getting earlier and earlier every year. I don't mind. I think Christmas ought to be celebrated year round. As a Christian especially. Because this really happened. And notice he says it, it brings joy to great people, all, all people, all over the world. You can't miss Christmas. It's everywhere and it's all around the world. Halloween can't say that. Fourth of July can't say that. Valentine's Day can't say that. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah and the Lord. And that's what I want to, just as we get into this little series we're doing about what is Christmas all about, Christmas is designed to give you great joy. It's designed to be good news. And not just for you. And by the way, I could use some good news and I could use some joy. You know, I, I've been referring, we, we, we were joking around at the house, there's B.C. and A.D. And I've added D.C. You know, before Christ, Anno Domani, and during COVID. I don't know when it's going to end, but it sure has messed around with us, hasn't it? I've watched Christians during COVID lose their their edge, their spiritual edge, and begin to draw back and this distancing, not just socially from other people, but from the Lord Himself. I, I know people we know people that are not here today, they're not they're not going to church anywhere. That's the tragedy. They've, 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 they, they're admitting. I've listened to, I'm, I'm hearing stories about people that, that used to come here, but when COVID come, they have gotten away from the Lord. They, they admit it. I need the Lord. I need the church. I don't have any friends. I could use Christmas. I need Christmas personally. Because we face all kinds of things we we have been facing, especially the last couple of years. Discouraging things, hard things. 
And so understanding, understanding the purpose of this holiday is such a key to having joy in your life. And that's what I want to talk about. They're in the back, they're worried that I'm going to go on for an hour and a half. I just need to be reminded when it's 11 o'clock. I know it, I know people say, you know, what does it mean when a preacher looks at the, the clock? Absolutely nothing. I know that's true, but I really like to know. So give me a hands up, Andy, or, you know, when you guys, thanks. So what, what is, why is Christmas so good? What makes it so good? What, what's it all about? Let me give you four reasons Christmas is so good. And it explains what it's about. Reason number one, Christmas is about a major historic event. What? This is a major historic event. We have to start there. Christmas is meaningless if we don't understand that this really happened. Look what it says here in Galatians 4. Paul refers to uh, Christmas when he says this, what we call Christmas. But when the right time came, God sent His Son. In other words, at just the pivotal moment, at just the right time in history, you know, He wasn't early, He wasn't late. He came at just the right time. God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the, to the law. Even the world, think about this, the world, believing and non-believing people in the world have recognized this historic event. It's split time in two. B.C., before Christ. A.D., Anno Domani, which means the year of the Lord. I remember I used to think it meant after death. Well, what about those 33 years? <laughs> you know, and I said, no, it means the year of the Lord. The year of the Lord, what's that mean? The year that He came, the year of salvation, the year of deliverance, the year that He was born, the year He walked on this earth, He came and walked on this earth. Even the world recognizes that as a historic event. I talk to some people nowadays and it's like, a lot of people just don't accept Jesus as real. And during Christmas, I just think about Frosty and Rudolph and Santa and uh Yukon Cornelius and, you know, all these characters. And I go, I just love them. I, I've got all their, I got all those movies, all those DVDs, and we'll watch them. But they're based on imagination. These characters, these Christmas characters, we got to remember this. I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo on Christmas here. It's just, we just need to remember they're based on fantasy. Whereas Jesus Christ is based on evidence. Based on reliable eyewitness information. And based on facts and faith. Here's John. Look here. John, Jesus' closest friend says this in First John. He starts off that chapter. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen Him. He goes, I've seen Him. We've seen, he's talking about the, the disciples. We have seen this guy. 
We have seen Jesus. And now we testify and proclaim to you that we he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. He came from the Father is what they're saying. And he walked amongst us. We proclaim to you because we're telling you this. We believe it so strongly. We want you to know this, he's saying. That we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Because we want to tell you what we've actually seen and heard so we can have connection. Now, why is that so important? We'll look at the next sentence. He says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. He says, he goes, we want you to have fellowship with us. We want you to have fellowship with the Father. We want you to be in God's kingdom. We want you to be in the family of God. And Christmas makes that possible. That's next week. I want to talk about Christmas is about family. But which family is it? Then he says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. He goes, we're recording this historically. We're letting you know about this so you can be excited about this. History can be, I like history. I love history. And when, when you start looking at the, the historical significance of Jesus Christ, there's a lot of evidence out there, folks. If you start looking, you find a lot of people talk about Jesus. It's not left to the imagination. Here's a passage down your notes. It's on Luke 1. Look what Luke says. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fully uh, fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. That's a reference to Christmas. From the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Next week, one of the reasons we have, one of the purposes of Christmas, Jesus came to bring us truth. We need truth. Without Christmas, we wouldn't have truth. But I, what I know, what pops out to me is the idea, he says, a lot of people, he says a significant number of people have been writing about what happened, about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do it too. And I'm going to start at the beginning. And where does Luke start? He starts with, I was reading it during the Lord's Supper, just to make sure I was right about this. He starts with Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. And then it unfolds, the Christmas story unfolds. Why write it down? Same reason John wrote it down. Same reason John spoke about it. Why do historians write this down? So we won't forget. So we can learn from history. We can be certain. And that's what Luke's doing. He says, I'm going to supply a doctor now. Have you ever met, you know, you've met a lot of doctors, haven't you? They're kind of quirky. They're detailed. You might not be able to read the writing, but they're very, de- some of them, I mean, most of them are really sticklers on details. And so Luke is writing a historical account. He wants Theophilus to be sure who didn't see Jesus. See, you and I are like a lot like Theophilus. We're in that category. We didn't see Jesus. We didn't hear Jesus. We didn't see him with our eyes like Simeon did when he was, when he was at the temple as a baby. 
we didn't see him with our eyes when he's walking on water and healing the sick, raising the dead. We didn't see with our eyes Mary and John and Peter watching him getting crucified, betrayed and crucified. And, and we didn't see with our eyes an empty tomb. We're like Theophilus, but we can be certain because Christmas really happened. And there's lots of, yes, there's, and somebody says, well, yeah, there's lots of Christians. You'll hear a critic say, well, yeah, lots of Christians writing about it. Well, not only Christians, but critics wrote about it, wrote about Jesus. You have Romans, the Roman historians mention him, mentioning Jesus. You have G- Jewish historians mentioning Jesus. There's lots of evidence that point to a real Jesus. I know you've got, we, listen, we go on the internet. You can find anything on the internet that'll question this and question that and try to, try to mess with our, our theology. But the truth is, Jesus really existed. Christmas really happened. And before you can even talk about what Christmas is all about, we have to decide, do, did it really happen or not? Because because it really happened, here's reason number two. Christmas is about God loving me. It's a very familiar passage, but you know, sometimes we just need to look at it really closely. For God, it says, so he says, for God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone, 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 what's everyone mean? Everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God did not send His Son into the world. When did He do that? When did He send His Son into the world? We call it Christmas. God did not send His world, listen to this, to condemn people. He sent them to save them. God didn't send His Son to cancel the culture. Listen to me. If anything we've had in the last several years is this growing critical nature that seems to be just eating away at our kindness. You know what I'm talking about? We can't have a political discussion or a discussion about COVID without ooh. And we're so we become we're becoming critical a, a nation of, of that's that's being polarized and critical of one another, and I believe it's in God's people too. And you might say, right, Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus was not in the, you know, I heard Jim McGuigan one time say, God is not in the damning business. And I think that is so true. And thank God he's not. That's not what he's about. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Woman caught in adultery. Everybody's going to kill her. Everybody's condemning her. And he says, whoever sinned first, throw the first stone. And what happens? The stones fall. They all leave. Jesus says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're all gone. And then he says, well, I'm going to condemn you. And he picks up a rock and throw. No, he goes, neither do I condemn you. Now, I know when we hear preaching like this, we begin to think, well, now be careful. You're going to make people lax about the way they live. Well, Jesus didn't just say, I don't condemn you. Didn't he say, now go and leave your life of sin? Let my love for you motivate you to change. Amen. That's what he. That's what he said. You know, Jesus didn't. He didn't come to condemn, but he he came to call us out of this cesspool. 
out of darkness. He's still, from Christmas, still calling people. Because He cares and He loves people so much. I read this. I thought this was really good. You know, Christmas is about how God feels about you. And how does He feel? Well, He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a package. He didn't send an email. He he came Himself. You know, if you want to tell somebody, you want to express to somebody how you really feel about them, you know, a letter, a text doesn't work. Am I right? Because you can read too much in a text. You know, I, I, what do you do? You got to find a way to get face to face with them. And the best way to express love, the best way is in person. And that's what Jesus does. That's what God does. He comes himself face to face to tell you, to show you. And he wants your friends and your rest of your family to know the same thing, that he desperately loves them, that Christmas is about that. And I think about why is he, what makes his love so, so good? Well, his love comes from his character, not our conduct. It comes from God's character. Is God's love conditional? What's the answer? What? Want to bet? Want to bet? I say no, and I can say yes. Because it's based on the condition of God's character. Think about that. Now think about this. This is what's been bugging me for a couple of weeks. You know, I wasn't even working on this sermon. What bugged me a couple weeks ago was, I was going, why am I having a hard time being kind to this person? Because they're obnoxious? They're getting, they're, they're, they're rubbing me the wrong way? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not the person, I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying, right? How it is? We, people do things to, they, they just drive us nuts. Their conduct. And I realize it's not their conduct that's making me treat them that way. It's my character. When you boil it right down, it's really not, Jesus, how was he able to maintain? You say, well, you know, he was so kind. Yeah, but there were times he wasn't kind. He was hard on people. When he, I've realized when he's rebuking the Pharisees for their hypocrisy, I don't think he had a scowl on his face. I'm not so certain now that I think he's rebuking them because he cares about them and he loves them. He didn't come to condemn. And I've, I'm, I'm learning this, and, I, and, and maybe Christmas is really challenging. Christmas can be challenging sometimes, guys, and this is what's really challenging right now, is that, Tim, where do you need to change your character to be like Christ's? So you can love and be kind to people whose conduct is awful. Because they need that. How do I know that? Because I need that. I need God's mercy and love all the time because my conduct isn't, doesn't deserve 
doesn't deserve it. So while you're with family and friends and, and bumping into people, getting those deals and fighting over that last snowman, remember, remember your character. Imitate God's character because Christmas is, is about the character of God and His character is He loves you. He loves me with all His heart. Look at it. It's not about us, about our conduct. Look what it says here in Romans 5. When we were utterly helpless, there's the conduct, my conduct, helpless. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. A.D.? Yeah. At the right time. And died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ, there's a Christmas reference again, to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still screwing up. I've often thought, would Jesus die for me again? The answer is, of course. Because of His character. Because Christmas is about God loving me. Titus 3, Paul said this to Titus, when the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior and His overpowering love suddenly appeared in person, Sounds like Christmas. It appeared in person. He came to save us, not because of any virtuous deed that we have done, but only because of His extravagant mercy. What is Christmas about? It's about God coming personally to tell you and to show you, to tell your friends and to show your friends how He really feels about them. And I'm convinced of this. I will never understand how much God loves me without Christmas. And the thing, I, before I leave this point, I want to encourage you to think about this. Christmas calls me to change my character. To incorporate and be more like Christ. Here's reason number three. Historical. God loves us. Christmas, the third thing is Christmas is about God being with me. God wants to be with me. You ever been around people and you can tell they want to be with you? And you've been around some that don't want to be with you? Oh, you just love being around people. They go, oh, they, they light up. They're, gl- they're glad to see you. Uh, they don't want to leave. I've had people come over to the house before, you know, and it's 11 o'clock. And Denise has already went to bed. She doesn't, she doesn't even give a hint. She goes, I'm going to bed. Good night. And I'm stuck. I mean, I'm sitting there. And I go, man, it's getting late. You know, we got a lot of things going on. Oh, we got nothing going on. <laughs> More coffee? <laughs> I'm going to get some. You know, some people, they just want to, that you can tell they, they like being with you. They want to be with you. Christmas is about God being with you. You know, I, I noticed this about Christmas. For some of us here, it's a very lonely time. We feel all alone. We've lost somebody. We have something happen during the year. And if, I don't even, we, do we have to talk about those things? Things that have happened the last couple of years that have been so, we go, we go through some discouragement. I have battled discouragement the last couple of years like I never have. And there's times I'm under the stars 
And I'm looking and I'm thinking, I'm the only one. There's nobody understands what I'm going through. I don't know what to do. Worry about my family. Worrying about, you know, my, my friends. Worrying about this church. Worrying about ministries. Worrying about business. All get, I'm thinking, oh man, we have these setbacks. You know, somebody messes a car up, it's $10,000. Oh, I'll just write a check. We get together at the kids' ministry last October deciding we're going to start having something. And so we try to have something. The kids come in. They won't sit down. They're running around like crazy. And Sit down. We'll sit down. What are you talking about? There's rules back here? This is open space. And when you give a kid open space, what do you expect them to do? They're running and they're not, we're going to sing a song. They don't know any songs. We're going to tell them a Bible story. They're not interested in that. And then one of the kids goes, I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID. What? What, what do you mean? Just repeating what they're hearing at home. And we sat down going, we got to come up with something here. We got to work this out. And so we started, we started dealing with stuff and we're going to have to be excited, even though the kids are running over the place. Now some of you have some kids that do that, but they're getting better back there, and they're running, and they're running. We're playing, and we'll play a game, and it's like herding cats. And then we, then all of a sudden the kids start singing some, and then all of a sudden we have a Sunday, and it goes crazy. We're doing goosebumps, we're doing fears, and and it's been almost a year, almost a year of this acting like everything's great when it's not. Just by faith, going, let's be faithful, let's be excited, let's be passionate, do it over the top. And while these kids, and, and while they're going, pour stuff in there as fast as you can, and send them home with a memory verse. I, uh, some of you, Denise and I went by your house for weeks, going by your house, and we would get in the car, and we'd be driving along, and I'd be, you know, first I'm going, Denise, I don't want to drive all the way over there, and all the way over there, so, oh Tim, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. Tim, I just believe we need to do this. Okay, and then we go visit. And then you visit a couple of kids, a couple of families after church, and they're hugging you, and we're talking, and I hadn't seen them, and we're wearing the masks and the social distancing. And then we get about, we're heading home, and we're both bawling, going, man, this was, we, I needed to do this. I needed to get out and get busy. Listen, if you've got COVID brain, i got a suggestion. Get off your blessed assurance and do something for the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we have been lulled asleep by this virus. We get, a, we need to get back to work and remember our focus here. It's based on something that really happened. Man, get out there and, and talk to people. Be like Christ around them. Invite them to church. Bring them, bring them to that kid's service. Oh, but we gotta be careful about the COVID. Oh, I almost cussed. The heck with COVID. I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not saying, you know, be careful. I'm just saying we can't let this dominate us. We've been lulled to, to complacency long enough. Let's get in there. Let's make something happen. Let's change. Let, let God use us and let people know that God wants to be with them. He came to Christmas for that very purpose. Like I say, I know some of you here have lost loved ones. You've had, you're facing discouragement. You've got lots of fear. You feel alone. I want to say this as kindly as I can. Just because you feel that way doesn't mean it is so. 
There is a God who comes near you when you feel afraid and you're broken hearted. Look what the Bible says here. It says, if your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, He'll help you catch your breath. Joseph is having second guessing. He's second guessing if he ought to marry this woman. I mean, she's pregnant. And he's like, oh, I don't think this is going to work. He lays his, he goes to bed going, tomorrow I'm going to, we're breaking this up. And he has a dream. God comes to him in a dream. An angel speaks to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take her home with you. And then he says these words, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of the striking differences between the God that you serve and the God that, that we talk about here at Greater Alton and all the other worldly gods is God doesn't rule from someplace like Olympus or the underworld like the Viking gods. He rules beside you. He wants to be involved in your life. He, in fact, he wants to be with you so much, he makes it impossible to get away from your, from his presence. Look what David said. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And David lists all these things. Can I go into the mountains? He'd been in the mountains, running from Saul. Nope, you're there. I'll go into darkness. I'll go into pitch black darkness. I'll hide in a cave. Can I go there and you're not there? Think about it. He's hiding from Saul. If there's ever a time you're scared to death, you're thinking you're doing this all alone. And he realizes God is with me. He stays with me. Why does God want to be with me? He doesn't want me to be afraid anymore. Afraid to be alone. Afraid of what might happen. Afraid of life. In, in, um, in, like say this October, we did goosebumps. Nathan come up with this. Let's talk about goosebumps. And I said, yeah, well, we can do a hashtag. And this was the hashtag. There is nothing to fear when God is near. And we have, you and I have nothing to fear because God is near. If your life is broken, if you've got some, you're going through some struggles, God is closer to you than ever before. Your feelings may say one thing, but listen, your feelings are betraying you. I love this in Isaiah 43. Alan shared this with me a, uh, a few years ago. Because when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of a of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Notice, you're going to go in these things. You're going to go through these things, but you're not going to be done. And see, Christmas is that annual reminder that there's nothing to fear because Emmanuel, Emmanuel is here. He's in your home. He's where you work. Here's the fourth reason, then we're going to stop. Oh, it's 30 minutes, isn't it? Did I see a hand? I didn't see. Oh, every hand. I, okay, every bow. Oh, no, wait, that's something else. Thanks. Here's the fourth reason. Christmas is about God being for me. Would you agree with this? When facing tough times, it's good to know that God is with you, but it's great to know He's for you. <laughs> you know, I've had people with me that didn't help, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever had to, Well, they're with me. I got somebody with me, but they're not helping. But God is not just wanting to be with me. He is so for me. He is so for you. 
Again, Luke 2. This very day, in King David's hometown, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. A lot of people think God's out to get them. They still think that. Maybe sometimes it crosses your mind. Ever cross your mind? It crosses mine. Oh, if I do this, now I know why I got a flat tire. Uh, God's out to get me. Truth is, God is for you. He is for you. The Bible calls this God's favor. And you find this term, God's favor, or He had favor over and over in Scripture. Uh, and when you start looking, you find it that uh, Abel, the very first person, and God had favor on Abel. Noah, and God had favor on Noah. Moses, and God showed His favor on Moses. Joseph, though he was in prison, the Bible says, but the Lord, the Lord's favor was on Joseph. Gideon, the Bible says, and the Lord's favor was on, on Gideon. And an angel appeared to him. You got Samuel. He was favored by God. The Christmas story is no exception. All those people in that Christmas story are favored by God. You see it. If you look close, you see little glimpses and little hints of God's favor in their life. I think about all these people, Abel, Noah, Moses, Joseph, Gideon, Samuel, all these people, in fact, others, that God had favor on them, but they were going through the ringer, and yet they got through it because God was, His favor was on them. Luke one twenty eight. look what it says here in the Christmas story. An angel came to her, this is, this is Mary now, and said, Greetings, the Lord is with you. You are very special to Him. Mary is startled. Says, you're highly favored. Don't, and he says, don't be afraid of this. What could this be? Mary thinks. You're highly favored by God. This, this idea of being highly favored is not a Catholic thing, folks. This is a God thing. He's saying, you're highly favored, Mary. You're going to give birth. First, you're going to be pregnant. And Joseph ain't going to be the father. And you're going to be living together. Imagine the, imagine the, the media with that. I was going to say, imagine what Chris Cuomo would do with that, but uh, well, sorry, I like that. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but what I notice is, what I notice is, is that he is, she is going, she's going to go through danger. She's going through hardship, rejection, ridicule. Joseph, same way. You see these these people in this Christmas story, and they're all told told that they're favored. Look at it says, "Don't be afraid, Mary," said the angel to her. You're in favor with God. What does that mean? It means simply that God is for you. His, that He has pleasure when He sees you, when He thinks of you, when He's over you. He's doing everything. He, he has favor. He's going to do everything and anything He can to help you accomplish what He wants to accomplish in your life. How do I say this? I have I have a lot of grandkids now. I don't know if they're, we're, we're done, but but we have a lot of grandkids right now. And now they're getting to the age where there's soccer and t-ball and gymnastics and dance and swimming. I think I've got my mom and dad. They took photos of me doing certain things. You know, there's a few 
there is a few, there's evidence of me on this earth, the photos of me as a kid. But the Chronicles of Carmody, the book is this, I mean, there's photo after photo, Nora, photo after photo. And what I notice about this when I, when I go to start game, I, I favor some of the kids on the team. I'm sitting there and you probably can guess who they are. Why do I get my cell phone out? Why don't, who am I cheering? Go, go, go! It's not that kid I don't know. It's Nora. Or, or it's Meyer. You know, Meyer is a goalie. I watched him take a shot to the face, kicked hard to the face and get that ball and get up with a grin. All of his teeth were still there. That was good. And he, and he has a big old red spot on his cheek and I'm going, way to go, Meyer! You know, got the cell phone out, taking photos, doing interviews with him afterwards. We're doing interviews. I sent them to my mom, sent them to all my relatives. Hey, we did an interview. You know, Nora scores like seven, eight goals this year. She is a goal making machine. She shines on the soccer field. Here comes a kid up out of the way. I'm going to score a goal. Go, Nora, go. But I also noticed something else, though. Not only do I favor, again, when the team scores, some some nameless kid I don't know scores, I go, oh, courtesy, oh, yay. But when it's a grandson or a granddaughter, or if it's one of the twins, if it's Owen or Lucas, you know, Lucas is out there using the force, you know, doing his thing. And Owen's out there going, look at the pretty leaves. You're like, Owen, get in there, get in there. You know, and, and I find myself gravitating to watching the twins. And then, and then when I went on another game, it's not just Carmody and Meyer, it's Gia. I'm watching her and I'm going, come on, Gia, get in there. And she can be pretty tough. And then I'm watching, I'm watching Matt, his an older, I'm watching an older soccer game, watching Matt Wolf and going, wow. They're undefeated, by the way. They won the whole thing. And, and, and when he's off the field, I'm on my phone looking at eBay. But as soon as he's on the field, my eyes go up. Come on, man, you can do it, man! Why? I, it's my favor. And when little Emma's out there and she's, and she's a social bug, she's wanting to get phone numbers and talk to people. Hey, let's talk. You know, instead of playing, you know, I'm going, come on. When she does get her toe on the ball, it's like, why, why do I have special favor toward those and not, and I don't get my phone, I don't take pictures of these, why? Because they're special to me. My favor is on them. Have I made, have I made the point? Now I know some of you are going, oh, I'm one of those nameless kids. I'm one of those nameless kids. Listen, folks, don't cheapen God's love. He knows you by name. The hairs of your head are numbered. He knows all about you. He is for you. See, my favor is flawed. God's favor is complete. And so He's not just with you. Christmas doesn't just say, hey, God is with you. But He is for you. He is for you. You can count on it. Everything God is doing is for you. Every, in fact, you, anything, anything you go through that's just awful, he manages to turn it into something good for you. I love this. I love this. Psalms 118. The Lord is for me. I'll not be afraid. Christmas is not about being afraid. 
Christmas is not about having fear. Christmas, Christmas is about being certain and having hope and having joy and knowing and contentment and knowing that God loves me. He wants to be with me and He is so for me. David says this, I know that God is on my side. Now how does he know this? Could it be because he has chosen to be on God's side? So Christmas, it's about so much. And I just want to encourage you to let Christmas encourage you this year to to let it build you up, to fill you with hope, to fill you with joy in such a capacity that you will let God use you this Christmas season. Everybody is needing some love and joy and peace in their life. So what will Christmas be about this year for you? Will it be about lights and trees and presents? Remember that all of those are good because of Jesus. Will it be about the deals, the shopping, and all the deals... Just remember, as you're looking for gifts, ponder the greatest gift that God has ever given you. Will it be about God's love? Will it be about, you know, just your family and no one else? Or will you think of God's family and think about others that you'd like to see in His family? I mean, who needs your love and attention during Christmas? Think about that. What Christmas is about helps me keep my focus. See, Will it be dominated by losses? Will Christmas be dominated by losses? You say, Tim, I don't know if you, you don't know what it's like. I had a grandfather die on Christmas Eve, folks, so don't tell me I don't know what it's like. But will it, will I let it dominate my, will I let loss dominate this holiday? Or will I let confidence that God cares for me and is near me and is for me, let it fill my focus? What will Christmas be about is going to be up to you. Do we have cards in the bulletin? Still do that? Okay, good. (laughs) Maybe you want to write something on a card and ask for prayers. Maybe it's been a long time since you filled one out. Maybe it's time to fill it out again. Maybe you need to choose. Maybe you found yourself sliding away from God's side to another side. And it's time to make a commitment. You know what? I need to... Lord, I'm on your side. I want you on my side. And so I know that's going to start with me choosing to be on yours. Maybe you don't even know where to start. You'd like the Bible. Somebody needs to open up the Bible with you. There are people here that would love to do that. If you'll write down, I'd like to have somebody open the Bible up with me. We'll do our best to try to make that happen. Or maybe there's some relative, some person. Maybe it's yourself just... Oh God, give me, give me the strength. We had, we had somebody who hasn't been to church here for a while was asking for prayers to have the courage to come back to church. Maybe we ought to be praying for those people. I don't know how many people are on TV that watch their, we understand you're worried about stuff. Okay. But whoa, I long for the day. We all long for the day. Am I right, church? That we're all together in this building and we don't have to do any more TV. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Be face to face. We're going to sing a song, give you a chance to fill that card out, and then uh, we'll sing another song to close out services. I guess they, what you do is you sing one song and then you put them in the baskets. Is that what's going on now?
Uh, let me tell you how we do it in the kids' ministry. There is no plan. Okay. It's good to be together today. Let's pray, okay? Father, thank you for uh, just a, for Christmas time. Um, Father, we just thank you for what Christmas can bring. It can bring so many good things, Father. I know, Father, there are the stuff has happened that can tarnish that that joy, disrupt that peace, and crush our hope at times. But oh God, we pray you'll you'll fill us up with those things. You'll fill us up with this joy. Let the good news of Christmas just saturate our hearts and, and just erupt deep joy, incredible hope. And awesome peace. Oh, we pray, Father, we, you do that. We know there's people that have COVID right now that are sick. We have people that are sick. They don't have COVID, but they're not feeling well. And Father, we pray you'll take care of them. We can think of people that are spiritually in trouble. Oh, God, they're in peril. Please, please, through your Holy Spirit, through each of us, those people we know, that we will do something. Say something to nudge them to come back. We just love you so much, Father. Thank you for your love. Or thank you for your character. We are so, not intimidated, Father, just so challenged how you're able to love people that we don't, we can't love. We don't think we can love. Oh, give us that ability. Change our character. Give us that just that amazing ability to be able to love people that are unlovable. Thank you for being with us the entire time. We may have not noticed it. We've forgotten many times. Thank you for being our side. Thank you for being with us here. Thank you for being for us. It's something I think I overlook, Father. I know a lot of us do. We overlook this. That you're not just beside us Watching, but you're over, you're for us working out everything to fulfill this purpose that you've put in our life. Thank you, thank you so much for Christmas. Help us understand what it's all about. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.